All right, I guess we are live. What's yes. up, everybody? Uh, I would say welcome to episode number 270 of Uncovering I Explain Mysteries. <laughs> and uh, anybody who's uh, who jumps in, nobody's watching right now, but when you uh, jump in later on, you're going to be like, what the hell is this? This isn't the normal <laughs> Dancing with Ghosts content that I signed up for. Well, what this is, is uh, I had a podcast for like six or seven years with this fella to my uh, right or your left or whatever. <laughs> he had his own YouTube channel and we had a podcast called Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries and we kind of hung up the podcast a few months ago uh, because quite frankly we just kind of got tired. We got it's it, the the podcast was about the show Unsolved Mysteries and we we kind of ran out of cases to talk about our the time. I know any angry video game nerd listeners are going to love this excuse, but the time thing was a problem for us. Like we didn't have a lot of time <laughs> to yeah. uh, to do the podcast in general, we still really don't. Um, I'm, it's kind of um, magic that Mike's even able to, especially since I thought my internet was going to be down. There's a whole bunch of shit <laughs> that happened, uh, as as what normally does when it comes to live stuff. There's a bunch of random shit that always happens that um, you're not expecting that holds you up. But anyway, so this is kind of like a, a channel, a video that's obviously on my Dancing with Ghosts channel. And it's also going to be a podcast later on because I'm going to rip the audio from this video and I'm going to release it as episode number 270 of our podcast, which if you're more if you're interested in uh, listening to my podcast I had for six years about unsolved mysteries, you can go to uh, well, you can just search uncovering unexplained mysteries and it's on any uh, streaming platform or it should be anyway. I'm still paying for it. Damn it. Um but yeah, so recently, in recent news, Mike, uh, they, uh, the, the John Cosgrove and Terry Moyer, their their production company or whatever the hell, they dropped this. Uh, it's se seemingly out of nowhere. This unsolved, yeah, unsolved mysteries behind the uh, the legacy or behind the legend. Yeah, yeah, behind the legacy. I think that's what it was. Um, it was also uh, a co-production with FilmRise, who released uh, the original uh, Unsolved Mystery series on streaming and YouTube a while back. Um, I think it might have been less of a John Cosgrove and Terry Moyer decision and more of a FilmRise decision, because FilmRise did a Behind the Legacy special on uh, Forensic Files oh, a year a year ago, like a similar so, format. Similar format, very similar setup, around uh, the same length. I think the Forensic Files special was shorter by like 10 minutes, but it's the same sort of thing. Like interview people who were involved with the show, the producers, talk about certain cases, so on and so forth. So I yeah. think that's it was really more of a film rise uh, choice. Um, but it could have also been, you know, John Cosgrove and Terry Moyer thing. Uh, so they could put themselves out there. And you know, be that on camera. It doesn't really surprise me that uh, this was something that they had done for another show previously, because um, though uh, it, it did have its moments that were definitely like stuff that we haven't seen before as fans. Yeah, it did feel very like by the numbers um, as far as documentaries go. It was very sparse. It was uh, no yes. frills. It was thin, and. Uh, it's one of those things where I don't know if I want to say it's disappointing because I wasn't expecting right. 
right uh a two hour long retrospective you know kind of documentary from from john cosgrove and terry moyer like i just wasn't expecting that uh considering what they did with the reboot on netflix and what they did with their own podcast and and so on so i wasn't really expecting like anything that was like super super in-depth um, and I didn't really know about the forensic files thing until after I saw the 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 behind the legacy uh, special. I know that it was shown at at some Al- Alamo Draft House theaters, um, but the people who got to attend it live also got to see some segments of the show live. And I don't know exactly which uh, segments they were. But they actually got to watch segments of Unsolved Mysteries in the theater. So I think huh. that probably would have been pretty, pretty cool. And that's why the 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 runtime was like over 90 minutes on Alamo on on the on the on their end. Uh, because the special is only like 55 minutes. Yeah, I still think it's worth bringing back the podcast from the dead and resuscitating it for the spooky season of October because there are things about it that were really fun and special as a fan of the show, like the outtakes of Robert stack. Mm-hmm. Uh, like those were just, which gold. I felt I felt like they, the, surely they had more outtakes than just that. Yeah. I, was, I was like waiting for them to like really show some, like him really like breaking his on-screen character and, and, and saying something funny or doing something. But they showed like, like three outtakes total. Yeah. Like him fumbling with the dog or whatever. Yeah. Like I, I don't, maybe they're trying to they're trying to keep the air of him being this uh-huh. cons, this consummate like TV host and professional, so they didn't want to show too many. Um, well, he probably didn't fuck up all that much, honestly, because no. he was a seasoned pro no. by that point. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like it, my favorite it, one is when he's like in the trench coat, and it looks like he's like psyching himself up or something. Yeah, for the for the uh, shoot. And he's just doing the moving around and like punching the air with the Uh, big smile on his face. Yeah. So just from like a production standpoint, um, things that I noticed about this, this, this documentary, it feels almost weird calling it a documentary because it is a special. Yeah. It felt more like a special that you'd see on TV to like kind of fill time than, than something that would be this premium like Netflix thing or something like that. Um, the, the the backgrounds like you could tell they're all like sit, sitting in front of a green screen and mm-hmm. they they did a, a poor job keying out people uh the backgrounds on certain people than others for instance and this bothered me to no end i was like how how could they have put this out you know like on a as like a professional product because like anytime you see john cosgrove uh one of the co-creators or whatever his background, you can tell, like, there's some artifacting to, like, his right. Yeah, um, that the... might be the stream itself, though. No, I, uh, I don't I... know if that's actually because I, I watched it live and I don't remember it looking that bad. So it might be just how uh, uh, things are recorded with mm. Pluto, which isn't I don't even think it's showing it in HD. So when you're tra- when you're recording a, a, a stream that's not even in HD from Pluto TV full screen, I think that might be why the artifacting. Well, it wasn't uh, on uh, other people's. See, that's the thing too. Yeah, it wasn't. So maybe it, it was, was on the special, and I just didn't notice it. Yeah, like I, I, well, when I first saw it, I was like, wow, they they couldn't even key out 
the green screen like good enough so you still you have this like weird artifact that's going on which looked very amateur to me um uh-huh. and, and they like i thought that like man you couldn't have gotten like any fans of the show on on yeah. there to interview like like say like a celebrity fan like because like uh-huh. you know there's got to be someone in hollywood who's like a huge fan of the show who would have like totally gone and and you know but oh i loved watching this growing up it's like you didn't get any all you got was the staff that worked on the show and the executive producers and and that was it you didn't even get like an executive from like nbc on there or no. like warren, warren littlefield or something like that like no. who was around during the time like you know, oh yeah, this show was really special to our network and yada, yada, yada. It's like, you didn't get any of that. It was just the people who worked on the show and uh, John and Terry, the two people who love to sue people, um, myself included. <laughs> <laughs> you got the two litigious bastards and uh-huh. uh, the the staff that, some of the staff that worked on the show or whatever. Um, and that was it, you know? And I was like, well, that's fucking, uh, that's kind of weak, you know? Yeah. So, but I, I, I still, was... I still had fun with it. I still liked it. But yeah, there definitely were uh, a lot of moments where it w- it felt thin and and could have had more. Uh, but what was there? I, I it was nice to see. It was just it was just a it was just a pleasant surprise to see anything like this about the original unsolved mysteries. Yeah, like, I thought I like how... this would never happen, and then. It just randomly appears mysteriously yeah. out of nowhere. I liked how they didn't uh, they didn't address the new unsolved mysteries whatsoever, no. and they didn't and they they didn't address the uh, the, the Dennis, Farina. Dennis Farina. Yeah, they didn't address yeah, that the one Dennis either. Farina they're, they're, they're just like, yeah, let's just let's just forget that those ever happened and not <laughs> not, not talk about those. I gotta I be mean, honest though, I would have liked to have heard, heard the story about that. Um, that's one of the things that I think was missing from this special or this, because saying it's a documentary is a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's barely a documentary. Uh, I would have liked to have heard them talk about what happened when they switched from, uh, one network to the next. Talk about the whole stuff with, uh, Virginia Madsen and Keely Shea Smith and all, yeah. all of that. Yeah, that would have been interesting. And, wh- and why that didn't work out uh talk about the move to lifetime excuse me um talk about the move to lifetime uh and maybe uh discuss uh you know the spike tv uh, reboot and briefly talk about netflix there was a there was a portion of the special where some guy was like i don't remember who it was but he was like unsolved mysteries has never been off air it's always it's been on tv this whole time and there's something special about that about that I'm, I'm like bullshit it's not always been on the air there was no. a, there was like a whole last decade where you could not find the show no and... it stopped it was the reruns weren't even on lifetime anymore right. there wasn't any any anywhere to actually watch that, it officially other than the dvd sets right then that's and that's when they started putting out the dvds because like yeah, they weren't really airing it anymore, and like I don't know why he said like that. That's such no. a, a pr- easily provably false comment to make. You know, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't like like why would you? Because I remember those times because it it was the the uh, the uh, dark ages, the dark ages um, <laughs> where and I didn't, I don't. And this was before I even met you, so I didn't mm-hmm. have the uh, the DVD or the VHS rips or whatever even. No. So, 
All I had was the fucking box set, which I I drained that well dry watching uh-huh. those segments over and over, the same segments <laughs> over and over again. And I know I knew I knew there was like hundreds of other segments that I could have been watching that I've been missing or whatever. But it was like, oh, well, you know, like this is what you got. Deal with it. But um, yeah, I, I mean, in a way, I am glad that they stuck to the the OG, you know, yes. version that everyone knows and loves and remembers. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice hearing about all that. They probably don't really want to get into like the other, the other iterations. It might be a legal thing too. I'm wondering maybe if it's, maybe that there's like a legal thing. Like they uh, can't, I doubt, I doubt it'd be, a they legal can't, thing, can't cause... necessarily talk about some of those uh, other uh, incarnations of the show or, uh, or talk about it in depth and in detail about you know certain uh, i think i think john and terry knows i think they know that the farina version sucked major ass i think they (laughs) i think they are well well aware that that was a horrible mistake i just i just would have liked to have heard you know from from the source well look uh where it all started we we know the the dennis farina version we we know that that was ass we know that that sucked (laughs) and it was something we had to do at the time i needed to make my rent payments and i don't know dennis farina was uh you know he was eating a Philly cheesesteak outside of Chicago and I asked him, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, no, I mean, um, yeah. And then for the first time in the special, we finally get to see what Terry Moyer looks like. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the closely guarded Terry Moyer, like the, yes. the, the other co uh, co-creator or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you know, she actually talked, which was like, yes. I, I had searched the internet for, foot video of her or whatever before just because i was curious i was like well i know what john anything yeah you couldn't find anything like she did a good job at scrubbing the internet of her presence but (laughs) she finally made an appearance um she even uh allowed the special to have some photos from back in the day yeah right so you could see like oh she was younger when she was uh, working on the show um the structure of the special it, it starts out with um they they start talking about I believe like the initial idea and the creation of the show with the where, the, the four NBC specials yeah and before those specials there actually was some other specials for NBC called missing yeah and apparently they did well enough that NBC was like hey do you have any more of that do you have anything similar to that and then they decided to do these unsolved mystery specials. And the the specials initially, like, NBC was just, hey, we like that. They did well enough. We could use uh, something to fill a time slot. Can you give us some more? They weren't necessarily expecting, like, this big uh, hit. Yeah. Right off the bat. Um, That's also another thing I I, I honestly would have liked to have seen discussed is more detail on the specials especially the specials before Robert Stack became the host. Like they show like clips. They show some footage of Ray uh, of uh I believe yeah, Raymond Burr. And they don't really talk about it. They're just like, "Oh, there were some specials before uh uh the 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 original run of the show." And then they show a clip they, of Raymond Burr. They Burr. were strictly business on this one. They were they're like, let's stick to the stack stuff and uh, yes. you know, keep keep it at that, you know? Like, yeah. 
No before, no after. There was only yeah. I mean, and even the discussion about Stack and like finding him and all that was pretty short. They were just like, oh, he was perfect. It was he was very great. It he was had very the right, like rudimentary, like yeah. They they're like, yeah, he was this classic Hollywood guy, and he had a great voice, and you know, and he loved doing the show. I was yeah. like, wow, okay. Very meaty uh, stuff there, guys. <laughs> yeah. I would have never guessed any of that. I would have never guessed that he was a old movie star in Hollywood and that he liked doing the show. I, man, you guys really enlightened me on that one. Um, <laughs> I loved... Uh, so they they go into the, the special and they're talking about how it... You know, the, the kind of the conception of the show and how like the audience could call in and help solve the mysteries. Mm -hmm. And Terry Moyer was talking about how she was like, like dubious as to if the show would even be successful because it's like, well, it's, it's a bunch of, of, you know, mysteries that have never been solved. You know, who's, who's going to want to watch that. Yeah. But then I realized that um, the people were actually solving the mysteries. So it became interactive. It was the only show where the audience could, you know, interact or whatever. And um, they talked about how like the show yeah. kind of became this anthology series where like, you know, we're, we're not only talking about like murder cases, but, you know, now we're talking about UFOs and we're talking about, you know, I think that one of the workers on the show was like, we had 34 different categories or some crazy yeah. thing like that. And I'm yeah. like, damn, I didn't know they had that much. I knew they had unexplained death paranormal psymed uh fucking final plea fraud uh lost loves um but i was like man i didn't know that I, I don't know what all those other ones are um and strange uh, legends well they had that one see treasure I, I, that was just for the box set they almost like changed the categories because like on the box set it, it says um no, you're right. No, they did. Have, I think they hold on. I have the box set right here. Let me. Fucking... Or is it Mysterious Legends or something? It's definitely something with that. Or no, I think that was just maybe that was just unexplained. Maybe they were just under under. Unexplained. Yeah, I think it was the unexplained. The the VHS yeah. rips. Um, yeah. Had it right. So, OK, so like in the box set, for instance, they, they call it a uh, bizarre murders. They never called it bizarre no. murders on the show. Um, they have like. It was murder, <laughs> uh, unexplained dead. No, it was wanted. Wanted, yeah. And then this this one is uh, what, UFOs. They never called it UFO. They called it like the unexplained, I think. Yes. Yeah, miracles. Oh, this is burning my hand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they never called it miracles. You know, they called it something else. Uh, yeah, strange legends, um, which is my, yeah. my favorite of the DVDs. Um, they didn't call it that either. So I know we're like nerding out like to the max degree <laughs> right now, but whatever. We both like unsolved mysteries a lot. So, you know, fuck off. No, actually, <laughs> actually don't fuck off. That's that's probably not the right message to uh, convey. No, on screen. no, absolutely so not. The idea is, is we want people here watching and listening because, uh, you know, I could have just called Mike <laughs> on the phone and talked about this shit. <laughs> Boy, did I get all entangled from getting that goddamn box up my closet. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so they, they, they go on to talk about the show and how it started getting successful and how it was always in like usually in like the top 10 as far as ratings were concerned. Um, 
I don't think they ever showed it being number one, which I thought it was at one no. point. No, they never showed that. They added it like I don't. Four. I don't know. I think it, I don't. I don't think it ever was number one. It uh, it was just close. Um. Uh. Which which is a big deal for a show like that at that time, because a lot of the number one stuff it's, you know, maybe a big budget TV uh, movie special like the day after something along that line or you know a, a a big hit show that's scripted with actors yeah and this is scripted too and had actors but not not on the same level and they talk about robert stack they show some outtakes they show the 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 clips of him trying to deal with this unruly puppy which is just honestly really cute and uh they kind of the interviewer kind of hyped that up a little bit like he was really not he just couldn't deal with the thing and 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 then and then you show the clip and he's it's not like he's that upset yeah at, at he's, like, he's like i just i just can't work with this motherfucking dog and then you see <laughs> yeah. and then it shows robert stack he's like i know i know i know trying to calm the dog and it's like yeah he, he yeah doesn't really look all that upset with the dog no. um so then they kind of like go on to um I was surprised at how self-aware they they were at at uh you know because one of the big things that's brought up when you talk about unsolved mysteries is the horrible acting and the corny yes. actors yes. and all that. And um they actually like leaned a lot more into that than than what I thought. I was I was yeah. actually pretty surprised at their level of uh, self-awareness with the uh, actors well they and... explained they explained a lot that really did uh clarify a lot of things and I, I honestly kind of assumed this anyway with this show is that a lot of the actors were probably just people who were inexperienced people who just uh were willing to do the job or people who were actually a part of the real case who agreed to be on the show yeah, and they talked about how working with the real people can be difficult because they're not actors. They talked about how uh, they would go to a certain location where the crime or the legend occurred uh, or the unexplained event, and then they would uh, find actors from like the local community college or so something. So that was something that that was kind of like. Uh, that was definitely a new piece of information that I did not know. Um, mm -hmm. the, so Unsolved Mysteries, if something happened in Bozeman, Montana, they would fly to Bozeman, Montana and film th at, at the location of where the shit went down. Um, I thought that that was really cool. And I mean, they could have easily just recreated it in somewhere in Burbank or los angeles or mm -hmm. something but no they actually went to the location and and because they did that that's why th the actors were so bad a lot of times because they had to just get actors from that region yes. from that local theater group or whatever and yeah. so you just kind of got what you got wherever you happen to be and um you know so they would they were commenting on you know <laughs> They showed some scenes where the acting was really bad. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it was like, wow, you know, good on you for, um, you know, like, acknowledging. They also uh, made a, br a brief commentary on the wigs. And, yeah. They, you know, they the had mustaches. The, and 
the, they have a whole that somebody uh, they brought up a fan page. The the one and only time they brought the, any kind of fan anything. It was an Instagram, right? Yeah, it was an Instagram called Wigs of Unsolved Mysteries um, because <laughs> it, the just some of the wigs that they used were really bad because they were if they were trying to if an actor was portraying somebody in real life, they would try to make that actor look like the person as much as possible. And sometimes they they went overboard on the uh, on the wigs situation, and um, I, one of one of the the people that they showed in the in, in that example was um, Marie Hilly. Oh the, yeah, uh, the the chick who uh, ki like killed her uh, yeah her po whole poison yeah poisoned her whole family yeah yeah aside from the son that was the only only one who made it out alive but uh, uh -huh. I I even remember like thinking how like kind of bad that when she came back as her sister <laughs> uh -huh. you know, how bad that wig looked and how she just looked like oh that was that was bad yeah um yeah. they also talked about uh some of uh i guess the audience's favorite segments or favorite cases and one of them was actually the whackers which i was honestly kind of surprised by yeah um, as, i get as, it as, i totally as, understand why but it was kind of surprising yeah, I mean that was a definitely a good case. Um, the Whackers. Um, but my my whole thing with that was, as as we I think when we covered it is when I really like kind of opened my eyes. It's like, dude, clearly those old people were doing all that shit to themselves <laughs> for attention. It's the only thing that made sense. So I was kind of I was a little surprised that the Whacker. I mean, yes, on paper these two old people who are terrorized. For years on end by this unknown person, um, steals their stuff, brings it back, you know, uh, apparently attacks the grandma, but not too severely, you know, almost like Cindy James, where it's conceivable that she could have done all these things to herself. Um, they also mentioned Cindy James as well. Yeah, Cindy James was the first segment they showed. Okay, and I, I do kind of feel like Cindy James is probably the default like most favorite segment off that show but going back to the whackers it's like you know that they, they have their fucking kid adult children all scoping outside the house waiting for some for, for this person to show up they're in the shadows the only people who know that they're there are the whackers themselves the old folks and uh as soon as as everyone calls it a night and they decide that nothing's going to happen something happens as soon as the the kids go away and everyone so you see so you think the whackers whack themselves yeah it's like the only thing that makes sense you know like that they're doing it for attention and, and people <laughs> are crazy enough to do that kind of shit um but yeah i'll read some of these chats uh right quick Patrick Reeves, love the podcast, miss having it. I hope you guys get something uh, new out soon. Well, which I think we're shooting for 2024, but I do want to talk. I, I want to have a talk with Mike about how <laughs> I want to do this new podcast. Slap him around a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. What's up, Carl S? Uh, Hungry Skeleton says, hey, Dance with Ghosts, fall into your stuff from Red Cow. Love your stuff and look forward to future stuff and finishing what I haven't seen yet. Yes. There, well, thank you for um, watching the Red Cow stuff. I, I love those those dudes. Um, I have a whole treasure trove of crap that I've made over the years that I put a lot of work into, 
a lot of time, a lot of editing, and never got any love. But now that my channel is surpassed 10K subscribers, it seems like my videos are averaging higher, like double what they used to. Because like, I would say like an average video for me back in the day, view wise, would be like two to 300 views. Yeah, and that's... Now it's like 600 to 1,000 views, like average, if not higher. If I'm talking about anything pop culture related that's like new, then it'll definitely crack, you know, a couple thousand. And God knows if it's Rex Viper, it's going to get 20 or 30,000 <laughs> fucking views. So, um, but or yeah. Or it's just about Bimmy. <laughs> yeah, just Bimmy in general uh, brings in the views. And a lot of people like to criticize like Red Cow and me for like, oh man, imagine making a whole channel like, like dick riding someone to get subscribers. And it's like, yeah, kind of like how James Rolfe like spent his whole career making fun of someone else's video games and uh, getting subscribers from that. And then eventually they 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 learned to love the character and they learned to, and they followed James to all the other shit he ended up doing on his channel, like uh, the movies and uh, the board James and, you know, it's bullshit mm -hmm. and all that. It's like, yeah, yeah, uh, you got to start somewhere. Uh, what about bands who make their whole career from uh, a cover song? Like they covered a song that people already liked and that got their foot in the door. And then, oh, wait, guess what? I also like these other songs like fucking, uh, what is it? Uh, Quiet Riot, you know, like that's, mm -hmm. they got their foot in the door with Come On, Feel The Noise, which was a, a cover and their version I think is better. But, uh, you know, it's like, it's not that weird of a uh, anomaly to like. And that album was huge. Yeah, like it wasn't just that song on that album, uh, Metal Health, that was a hit. It was, it was the like... first heavy metal album to hit number one. Period. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, yeah. Uh, it's so so like whenever I talk about like Rex Viper or James Rolfe or whatever, it yeah, that's what people. That's what pretty much anyone who's success who's successful they got successful because they talked about something that people were interested in something that was popular or yeah. whatever all of the all of the popular film critics on youtube they're successful because they talk about movies like that's just that's their whole thing like they talk about other people's work like the people who are able to become popular from a hundred percent solely original thing that is so fucking rare like yeah you have to have such. I mean, a we unique... got people who are becoming popular, and their channels are doing better than both of our channels because they just do reaction videos. Well, either that, dude. I saw this channel recently, and that they started their channel in June or July of 2023. All they cover mm -hmm. is the the channel's called Podcast Cringe. I'm actually subscribed to it because I like tea. Um, yeah. And all they do, all he does, is talk about like awkward or cringy moments on like like he does like the same four or five pot like joe rogan logan yeah. paul's podcast burt kreischer tom segura uh -huh. like he'll just talk about like drama or dramatic moments that happen on these podcasts he's already at fifteen thousand fucking subscribers dude his channel's not even six months old yeah it's it's people like, love the drama my too. channel's That's been around thing. since 2015 my channel's been around longer than that. And yeah, I and I just hit ten thousand. I just hit ten thousand subscribers, and my shit's been around for what fucking like almost like uh, eight or nine fucking years. <laughs> you know, it, it, it is what it is. It pisses me off, dude. When I think about it, <laughs> the hungry skeleton really hit a nerve. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, 
Pineapple Moon. I like the real Jeepers Creepers. They don't re reference that uh, case at all. What, in, are they the what are they talking about there, Mike? Enlighten us. Dennis DePew. Oh, okay. Uh, that that movie was based off of that case? Yeah, loosely based on that case, for oh, sure. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Um, because there's a scene in that film that is very reminiscent of you know the, the reenactment or actually what happened where they drive by and see a murder taken or see a body being taken out of the back of a car and then they get chased. Um, All right. Thanks. Garrett. I, I think I understand why though they didn't mention it. It's because Victor Salva is a scumbag. So I think they probably didn't want to associate themselves with Victor Salva and anything that he did. So, well, they clearly that's probably why they didn't mention it. They, they clearly weren't really aside from the wigs of Instagram. They weren't really big yeah. on talking about any anything that is. They talked briefly about SNL. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. They showed some clips of um, kind of the cultural impact, the cultural relevance yeah. of unsolved, the legacy, I guess, if you want to put it that way. That And like that a the, clip of somebody on a, a sitcom referencing Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, it was, it was Big Bang Theory. Yeah, it was Big Bang Theory. Um, but I mean, like, I, I don't know. Would it have killed them to mention the fact that there's like fan podcasts and YouTube videos? Maybe. I, I think. I think you know why they didn't mention no no podcasts. <laughs> uh, you know, Terry was probably like when somebody brought up like you know why don't we talk about like the fans a little bit like why don't we maybe mention some no of no we try, to sue, we try to sue the fans we don't want to bring them into this. <laughs> yeah, man. I I I mean, you guys uh, may already know about this, but if you don't, um, when we first started our podcast back in fucking 2016. Um, Mike had made this this art this out or this uh, cover art for the based podcast. on that t-shirt that t-shirt logo by the way yeah, yeah. and so um, it, it was it was literally he didn't really create anything he just no slapped, I didn't create anything he just slapped the word I'm gonna be uh, honest <laughs> uncovering above this logo so it was uncovering yeah. unsolved mysteries and I was like all right cool whatever let's use that. And um, then we started a Patreon for our podcast. And um, so we started making money. It wasn't a lot. It was like 50 bucks a month or something like that. From our barely anything. From our patrons <laughs> or whatever. It, 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 it got bigger as time went, as we peaked. Yeah. And then it got less again as we, yeah. as we went down uh, the downward spiral. Uh -huh. um, too much chit chat probably, I would, I would <laughs> venture to say. Um, so uh, I, at the same time, am just being super proactive in my life at that point for whatever reason. And I'm like sending, I sent a letter to Don Devereaux. He was on one of the episodes of unsolved mysteries, uh, dealing with the murder of Danny Castellaro, who was this reporter who is about to uncover all this like government secrecy and government cover-ups of the 1980s. And he was working on these materials and then they find him with his wrist slit in a bathtub hotel um and don Devereaux was kind of getting information on the case he was gonna um i guess report on the case and then his life started getting threatened clearly it was some kind of governmental uh, interference you know mm -hmm. basically like stay stay you know keep your nose out of this shit because danny was looking into essentially like government agents um kind of illicitly purchasing gold bullion from like uh, 
the, somewhere in the like Southeast Asia or something like that, it'll be gotten, you know? And so you had these high, high level government officials, um, you know, doing these, uh, acquiring this shit illegally. And the Department of Justice had actually like opened a, a case on it. And um, so I guess that's when these, I, I'm assuming the people in government in, high up in power were like, we need to start, you know, fixing these problems, you know, like we need to start cleaning some of these, these dirty bits, like this guy barking around our, our heels here about corruption and this, that, and the other, we need to take him out and make it look like an accident, you know? So Don Devereaux essentially was getting that same treatment. Anyway, I end up writing to Don Devereaux. He had his website up or whatever the dude in 2016 or 2017, the guy was probably in his eighties. Cause he was like in his sixties when he was on unsolved mysteries, like 25, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. But, um, so he didn't have a phone number. He didn't have, he obviously didn't have an Instagram or anything like that, but he did have a snail mail address to his office or whatever. So I, I, I like handwrite him a fucking letter, I think, or I typed it out. I don't remember. Probably typed it cause my handwriting is <laughs> horrible. He handwrites me back a letter, um, saying that he would love to be on our podcast and he gives me his phone number. So I, I call him and I interview him and uh, that's still up on SoundCloud. If anybody wants to listen to that, um, if you're a, a big unsolved mysteries freak, you'd want to listen to it. But other than that, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't see anyone wanting to hear that. First of all, I was, I was nervous as fuck. And I, I was, I did, a, I did an awful job interviewing him cause I was like nervous to talk to him. Um, <laughs> I got a little better at talking to people who were on unsolved mysteries going forward, but that was the first time. And it was kind of a big deal to me. Cause like, I, I was very well aware of that case and I had seen him on, you were on the TV, Mr. Wow, you know, kind of thing. Um, so Don was still good friends with John Cosgrove and Terry Moore, the executive producers for unsolved mysteries. And while I'm on the phone call with them, he's like, Oh yeah. He's like, I, I let them know about your podcast. You know, I figured they'd be interested in, um, knowing about her or whatever, I, I think he did it in the spirit of like, oh, isn't that cool? These two young people yeah. are, are, are talking about the show still. Let me, let me let John uh -huh. and Terry know about this. You he know? meant well. Yeah, I think John he meant, meant well. I think he meant well, but, but, but John and Terry didn't mean well at all because no. what, what proceeded to happen was, um, they, they looked in either they or their lawyers looked into our podcast. They listened to it first of all, and they, they, the, so basically what ended up happening is I get a letter from their fucking lawyer. Um, it might be worth me get, grabbing the letter and reading exactly what it says. In fact, I'll do that because I don't think I ever did that on the podcast. <laughs> Keep them entertained, Mike. Uh, yeah. Um, I was not involved with that uh, because I didn't wasn't involved writing the letter so josh was the only one that was involved at anything legal with them which is kind of crazy because you know i'm the one that technically create you know use the logo uh i thought it was going to be okay though because the logo was the red bubble version of the logo that wasn't the same one that was used on the show uh so technically it was different uh but i guess it wasn't different enough uh, also, the fact that we use Unsolved Mysteries uh, in the title uh, was apparently an issue. Uh, so, 
John and Terry didn't take kindly to that. So they sent Josh the cease and desist letter. And then that's why we changed the name to Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries from Uncovering Unsolved Mysteries, um, which made it harder for Unsolved Mysteries fans to, to really find the podcast or really discover us because of the fact that the name was just so generic. But at the same time, I think the, the name change just opened up a whole new door of things that we could discuss. And made it so it wasn't just strictly only Unsolved Mysteries material. So I think in the long run, for what we were able to do and what we were able to get out of the podcast, uh, I, I think, you know, the cease and desist letter sucked. And changing the name and dealing with all the hassle of changing everything was, was a pain in the ass. But uh, I think in the long run, it, it, it was kind of for the better so needless to say i wasn't able to find the letter i mean i, I didn't feel like searching for like you know, <laughs> half, half an hour find, trying to find it but yeah it, basically and I, you might have already sounded like you were already talking yeah. about this okay mm -hmm. um yeah so they saw that we we they, they said we were ripping off their theme song first of all that's a cover i made that in fruity loops yeah Hotel studio um I'm I covered that. That's a cover. That's not a direct. I know I did a really good job on recreating the song, but it's not a direct uh, rip off of their song. It's a cover of their song, and that's uh, not illegal, really. No, you can make covers. Yeah, you covers are not. Uh, I mean, I think they thought we were making money from the podcast. We were making money from Patreon. Yeah, we that's a making, different thing. I, I was paying SoundCloud to host. Yeah. I was I was paying the. Uh, people they we weren't were selling angry. merch we weren't selling merch at not that at point time. we weren't doing anything like that with the name uh unsolved mysteries um we just had a patreon so i think i, I think john and terry and their lawyers were uh completely unaware of how the internet really worked yeah didn't really know definitely you know the difference between patreon and you know other and I mean, like yes we did use forms I, of I, making money I would insert clips from the show in there, but they weren't like super long, which again, no. that, that, that borders on fair use, which is again, mm -hmm. perfectly legal, but yep. um, yeah, I don't know. So anyway, we got the cease and desist letter. And um, so I had to go in and I think we were like, geez, what? 10 or 15 episodes deep when. Yeah. Maybe more than that. So I had to go in, I had to delete, all the original episodes, I mm -hmm. thought we would, and at that point, we had already accumulated, I don't know, maybe a thousand listeners or something like that. And I thought, oh, great, we're going to lose all of our fucking listeners. Um, and, and, and we're at the restart and no, you know, people aren't going to be there for it. But now everybody fucking came back and, you know, we went on strong and, and it was kind of like, well, fuck you. I don't need you to use your stupid show <laughs> logo and theme song. Now we can do our own shit and we still have our audience. So yeah, take yeah. that. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's, uh, that was a long winded speaking, way. Of speaking of the podcast that. though, uh, the, uh, topic at hand was the Unsolved Mystery Special and got a little distracted there you guys get a little live taste of sometimes what happens between me and josh on the podcast where yes. we go off on tangents. that might have all been edited out <laughs> but, um, live without a net here um i just have to yeah 
when I when I know I'm live, my brain turns on this extra filter that isn't there when we're not live, where I know I can just edit it. So I'm like, I, I'm hyper filtration mode right now with uh, the things that I'm <laughs> saying, because as Mike knows, and thankfully only Mike knows, um, I've said some uh, some very scandalous stuff on the podcast, <laughs> off the cuff, shooting from the hip. And Mike has yep. to and Mike has to awkwardly laugh and be like, "Yeah, I wouldn't leave that in there if I were you." I uh-huh. and and I'm like, like a lot of times I'd be like, "No, fuck that, I'm leaving it in." I, you know, this is my opinion, and uh-huh. they can go fuck themselves. Um, and then then when you know after the podcast, a couple days later, when I actually would sit down to edit it, I would listen to. It. I'm like, "Yeah, Mike's 100 right. I'm cutting that out." <laughs> Yeah, that's that's probably not my best interest to uh no that in. no no and, and, um, and, and what i'm talking about here it's not like i went on like a kramer style laugh factory <laughs> no nothing like no, that but no. uh yeah anyway no it's just some 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 opinions that some people might consider to be politically incorrect just to hot just takes. to uh some hot takes um but yeah they talked about uh the show and how they got tips from viewers uh in the special they mentioned something that i thought was really interesting about how they found the cases where they would hire this company that probably doesn't even exist anymore because nobody is gonna ask somebody to clip out newspaper articles and send them directly to uh, a, a studio but that's what they they did they had they hired these outside people who would just look through local newspapers and just cut uh, the uh, uh, headlines out that they thought were uh, interesting or could be useful for the show, and then would just send them directly to uh, Unsolved Mysteries, and they would look through them and figure it out. They also uh, got a lot of cases directly from the people who were involved in the cases. They sent them letters. Asking yeah. Unsolved Mysteries to cover uh, a missing persons case or an unexplained death or some yeah, of these one, other one town uh, cases. Yeah, one had like a 6,000 signature petition for Unsolved yeah. Mysteries to cover the case. And they did cover it and it got solved. Mm-hmm. One thing that, that, that I found interesting that I didn't realize, and I guess there's really no way to realize it unless you, I don't know, maybe unless they put, printed it in TV Guide at the time or something. Every single one of those segments had like its own nickname. Like, um, so on my my DVD box set, so the Cindy James story is called "Scared to Death," mm-hmm. and um, like uh, the one with uh, Leonard Rizzo is called "Backyard Bones." Yeah. So they have these nicknames. I thought they only came up with those cute little nicknames for the box set. Yeah, but that's come, what I thought too. But come to find out, every single segment has had its own nickname because um, I think I wrote it down on here. Yeah, so like the one with the jet ski jumping over the boat was called Madman Across the Water, which mm-hmm. is the name of an Elton John album. So I guess that's where they got that from. And then another segment that they showed was called Taunting Robber. And so like, for instance, on the VHS rips um, that we got legally, totally legally, um, it's just the names of the people. So that's how I thought they labeled the show was like, like, oh, this segment's Danny Castellaro, this segment's Cindy James. But no, they have little cutesy nicknames for every single one of those segments, which 
now I'd be interested in in learning like what they called. Like I wish I had a list, a full list of every single yeah. one of the nicknames of the segments, because I thought that was interesting. Like, yeah, well, that that was that was a little uh, uh, intriguing for sure. Um, they talk about the casting. We mentioned the casting earlier, but they go pretty in depth on that. And that's honestly my favorite part of this special is when you have uh, people who are involved with the show and they're discussing the various different things that happened with the casting for a segment. Uh, there's a pretty funny story they were talking about. They were doing an audition for uh, a segment that featured some robbers, some guys who would like rob somebody. And they did the audition and the, there, there was this group of African-American guys and they came in and they were just so believable and just so professional in the audition that uh, the, the Unsolved Mysteries produce, producers, like the casting directors, like they were they were pretty uh, impressed. And so they asked them afterwards, it's like, well, how do how do you guys know how to do this so well? And then they're like, oh, we're robbers. Yeah, we're, 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 we're actual robbers. Yeah. So this, and this, then they're this. like, "You've got the part. It's good." I thought that that was weird that they they hired them after they admitted yeah. to a crime. I know. Like, okay, you all right? You're gonna hire them? They they just admitted that they, they probably were... didn't want. Like, think about it. Like, if they somebody admits that they're a criminal and they're cool with it and like they're not being disagreeable, do you want to piss them off in that situation? I mean, they're, they're, I'd be they're... like, "You got the part." It's all good. There's a reason why under the bridge. Guard, I guess I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty interesting. And then they they uh, they talk about some of the actors that went to go on to become bigger from being on the show. They had some Asian guy on there. I don't know who that guy was. I didn't recognize him. But oh, then... he's been in some newer stuff. Oh, okay. Uh... But then they show Cheryl Hines, which I know mm -hmm. um, as Cheryl David from all the seasons that she was on Curb Your Enthusiasm in, mm -hmm. um, which I thought she was great on that show. Um, she pretty much plays the same character like in yeah. anything I've ever seen her in. The then, big the, the big one's Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey and his shirtless lawnmower scene. Um, and they kind of they kind of like dissed his acting uh, yeah, bit. and I don't think he was that bad. I was like, I, I was like, dude, job. out of all the actors you guys have had on this show, like he was not anywhere near like, like bad at all. Like, no, I mean, he, I, I honestly, it's hard for me to fucking watch that that particular segment. The um, fucking I forget the cutesy name they gave it. The Texas Killers, whatever the fuck. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Matthew McConaughey is from Texas, so they were in Texas, and he was a local actor, and he needed a gig, and they hired him probably because of his 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 at his glistening abs. Um, <laughs> and, and speaking of that, the whole shirtless thing was uh, was something that was done on the fly because it was just so hot. And I think either McConaughey or I think he might have asked, like, "Can I do this sh scene shirtless?" <laughs> and they're like, "Sure." <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he, they, they talked about how he, you know, shouted out Unsolved Mysteries as his like first acting mm -hmm. gig or whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, well everyone, anyone involved with the show or, or is, who's obsessed with the show as we are, already knows that that's nothing new. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. The story though, about the guy that said he knew how to ride a horse. 
Oh yeah. Uh, that was that not. was hilarious because they talked about this guy who I, I they hired for uh, this reenactment. And I remember that case. We covered it on the podcast. It's the one. Wasn't it on the first episode of the Film Rise uh, one? Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And so we covered that case. And I don't remember if we talked about that particular part of the reenactment or not. I, I To me, it was something that I wouldn't have noticed unless it was yeah. pointed out to me. And yeah. Once, once they pointed it out, I was like, oh, yeah, that he looks terrified. You know. <laughs> so what happened is this guy... Because he wanted to be on Unsolved Mysteries, he wanted to be on TV. The like, Unsolved Mysteries casting yeah, directors, yeah, yeah. They asked him if he could ride a horse, and he was uh, nowhere near as proficient as he said he was. Because they show the clip, and the horse is just barreling uh-huh. at full dude, speed. <laughs> he does not look comfortable doing what he's doing. <laughs> he's just holding on for dear life. It's a. It's honestly kind of a, a miracle that it, it didn't go horribly awry, and uh, they then mentioned that uh, he he didn't do anything with horses for the rest of the shoot. Yeah. Um, speaking of miracles, they talk about the church uh, explosion that they did for that uh, segment where it was a miracle where this church blew up and nobody got hurt. And, they, and the producer used way too much dynamite or whatever it was to yeah. blow the yeah, church Yeah, the, the explosive expert. Yeah, the the uh, they used too much dynamite, and apparently it like broke windows like miles down the road, and it shot uh, off uh, fucking uh, shrapnel wooden yeah. shrapnel at the producer or director or whatever it, almost. Yeah, hit him. yeah. That, I mean, that was an epic ass explosion, you know. That was back when the show had oh, yeah. a budget to do shit like that. Yeah, they um, also talk about they have interviews with uh, uh, various different directors who's done who did certain uh, segments. There, one of the directors he did uh, Roswell, and he talks about how that was his favorite segment that he did for the show. It's one of my favorites. It was very well. very cinematic. It was like making a movie because he had like the UFO model and then and the, fake the aliens. aliens. Yeah. That look fake as fuck. That look <laughs> like they're made out of styrofoam. Yeah. But I still like it, though. Um, still yeah. one of my favorite segments, even though it's like, you know, everybody. Well, I don't know how many like young people like Gen Z. I don't know how much they know about Area 51 and Roswell, but aliens were really big in the 90s. So like everybody. Well, you remember the Area 51 meme? Remember that? Oh, the Naruto thing. Yeah. That shit was so stupid. It's just a perfect <laughs> example of like how the internet can just be incredibly cringe sometimes. Well, it still is. I mean, look at the trends now with the NPC streams and all that. I still haven't seen one of those things. I, I'm not just exactly sure what it is, but it sounds very um, uncanny valley. <laughs> it sounds freakish to me. <laughs> all right. Let's but, see uh... Uh, yeah, just shouting out some of the comments here. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, what's up, dude? How are you? I'm doing, I'm slightly hungover, which is no different than if we were doing the actual <laughs> podcast where I was uh-huh. saying the same exact thing. Raphael, A, hey, I know you've been looking, man, Raphael hits me up in my DMs uh, every now and then. He's like, got a new podcast for me? Where's the new podcast? So I know he must <laughs> be enjoying this right now. Um. Norber- Norberto said some more stuff. 
Pineapple Moon said uh, you should review Howling 4. Yeah, Mike should review the Howling 4 movie. I don't God, really... that re- movie sucks ass. Howling oh. 4, the original Nightmare. Not as bad as Howling uh, 7, New Moon Rising, though. That film is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. How many fucking Howlings are there? Uh, there's seven. There's the reboot with uh, Lindsay Shaw, I think is her name, from uh, Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, and it's like a Twilight ripoff. Uh, Jeez, it's called please. The Howling Reborn. And I think that's it. I think there's only eight. Hmm. <laughs> there's only eight. Um, Roy Smith says, dude, I'm watching. Good. Good, Roy. I'm glad you're watching. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. I wish more people were watching, quite frankly, but I'm I'm happy. I'm happy with the 10 or 11 people we have. Uh, happy with uh, any audience at this point, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> at some point in the documentary, one of the producers is like, oh, uh, yeah, you know, whenever I'd wear my Unsolved Mysteries jacket in the airport, someone would stop me. And I'm like, hold the phone. You have an Unsolved Mysteries jacket? Uh-huh. From uh-huh. the actual people, it's official. Yeah. I want, I want that a crew, jacket. a crew jacket. Yeah. yeah, that would be fucking dope. I think it was. I don't know if it was corduroy or not, because I know there was their hats, their official crew hats were corduroy, and they 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 really didn't look that great. Like if the jacket was corduroy too, that would kind of be lame. No, it would be still kind of cool, but it's unsolved mysteries, but it's corduroy. It was the '90s, <laughs> so it wouldn't surprise me if. Uh... If it was some, it would be better if it was a starter jacket. Yeah, <laughs> well, you mystery would, starter jacket. You would think that 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 would be the logical conclusion now, but the uh, garish fashion pro- of the nineties. It was no probably value. a leather jacket, is my guess, for some of the more uh, uh, esteemed crew members. So this is another thing about the um, the the special that kind of blew my fucking brain right out of my head. Mm-hmm. They brought up the music, but they never shouted they out G- Gary no. Malkin. Uh, no. Didn't didn't have him. In, I was like, all right, they're about to show Gary Malkin and have him talk about his music. Nope, no mention of the guy. That was a huge missed opportunity. Oh, like totally. I I was really surprised by how badly they dropped the ball on that one. I mean, they didn't even mention Gary for one, which was lame they credited and then at the end in the, in the end credit yeah they don't mention him on the fucking special. even when they talked about the uh the music they didn't even show like the original intro they didn't even they even like play the original like score they played right. the the other score that was used for a lifetime yeah i it's just like and of course they talked about people saying that oh that score still scares me after all this time they're talking about how the music is basically like almost just as important an element in the show as anything else and yet you're and not, it is and, you, and yet you're not gonna have the guy who like made the music off you know the music maybe he wasn't it. available at the time possibly when they were doing the shoots like i would want to i i would like to know what the thought process is. i know he's still that. alive because ryan yeah. the guy from great face records the company that released all the unsolved mysteries lps the records and the cds um he had to be in contact with gary to get the dat tapes the garbage yeah. bags full of dat tapes that ha- had all these music cues on them still um so i know he's still around and that's another thing that i mean again this wasn't a very this wasn't a very fan inclusive special because they could have gone on how about how the soundtrack's been preserved on record now mm-hmm. by 
younger fans of the show who yeah. are now in a position to like own a printing factory for records and how mm -hmm. the legacy and that could have been put into the legacy part of the show the legacy yeah. podcast the the soundtracks that people are um putting out you know with the you know in tandem with unsolved mysteries yeah. to make it official to where it's not just some bootleg quality thing um they could have talked about uh, I mean, they already mentioned the references and pop culture. I mean, basically, I, I guess like John and Terry are such old school uh, media people that like, unless you're on the on the television, then you're not legitimate in their eyes. That's what, other than the Instagram page, which that yeah, might have been just brought the, up to that, them by just like, an oh, intern. Yeah, like that was just like a little quirky, you know, yeah. whatever. I was surprised that they would put up the only thing they would put up by fans is something that like is slightly disparaging to them. Like, look how, look how yeah. ridiculous their costuming was, you know? Yeah. Um, that doesn't seem um, very Tom and Tom and Jerry, like <laughs> Tom and Jerry there, there was a good chunk of the special that was just talking about random segments, which I understand that. Like, oh, creepy segments or whatever, or what, whatever the heck that portion was. Or they briefly talked about, like, the creepy element of the show. And they focused way too much on the the arson segment with uh, Omar. <laughs> Look, at it. Look at it, Omar. Look at it. I told you I'd do it. <laughs> Hear the wolves. Their cries into the night. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the sound of a virgin. Um, now, uh, yeah, anytime they bring up the random segments, uh, I'm like, uh-huh, of course. Yep. I know this one. I know this one. We covered almost all these segments, bitch. You're not going to surprise me with anything. Like every segment they brought up, it was like, yeah. yeah and then remember. They talked about Teresita Bassa. Yeah. And, and that like, is a good segment, by the no, way. No, it is. That it is. is. Uh, I, they, around the bad acting portion, they didn't specifically say it. But around the bat, like the really bad acting portion, they show a few clips of Storm in Hell. Yeah. <laughs> I love I loved that they did that because that was some of the worst acting yes. in the entire show. You're you're a piece of garbage. You're a piece of garbage, Howard. <laughs> um Yeah, so I appreciated that. Um yeah, I felt like most of the cases that they brought up were like... I'm surprised they didn't talk about visual effects or anything, because that would have been interesting to hear, like, they were using CGI and other stuff like that. They didn't mention any of that, how they did, like, the ghost effects or any of those sort of things. That's the kind of stuff I, that really I, I intrigues me, because I'm a huge special effects geek. So, like, I... You know, that stuff always fascinates me, and they did—they they didn't even mention that at all. I think probably because they were bad effects. For, well, they were good at the yeah. time. For the time, they were—they were fine. But like looking back now, they look—they look corny as hell. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can—I can get past it because you know, like I, I my love for the show blinds yeah. me to the poor. I effect. think some of the ghost effects for the time still look fine compared to the CGI UFOs, like. Yeah, some of those whew, those CGI UFOs. <laughs> but they got the job done when I was a kid. It still scared me as yeah. a kid, you know? Yeah. I, don't, I mean, a, a good story is a good story. So if it has some yes. effects, it, but you got Stack narrating it, you got the music, it mm. still was effective. Um, you know, even... In fact, the... Um, 
Manhattan UFO one where it showed the father and son outside their yard looking up at this massive, you know, CGI. Yeah. Uh, I thought that that was genuinely creepy as a kid. And I still think it's pretty creepy to, mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. Like you step outside, you look up into the sky and you just see what, what looks like something from star Wars. Yeah. Like, like it's like the independence day. Yeah. Scene, you know, where they walk you. outside and then you see the giant uh, yeah, independence like day, bigger you know, than the any giant alien ship outside bigger than any plane we have nothing that we have is anywhere near that size that's in the air you know and and not shaped aerodynamically at all um you know basically defying the laws of physics and it's huge yeah i mean the father was talking about how he was speechless and mm -hmm. how he contemplated his whole life and shit <laughs> like his life like flashed yeah. before his eyes when he sees this thing because it's like it makes yeah. sense at that point, you kind of have to question everything you've ever known or, or been taught yeah. or whatever. Like, that shouldn't be up there. That shouldn't exist. What is that? Why am I seeing this? This is very upsetting to me. Yeah. I think that's why um, anything that breaks, like, the norms of uh, – and this some psychologist – I think it was uh, William what? Roll who was yeah. saying that anytime something breaks uh, our, our – understanding of the world it's very upsetting to us usually that's why the old guy in the uh was it the tallman no it was the there were the two old people the husband and wife and the bell would ring and the, the old. oh the yeah okay i don't remember the name of that but yeah the one that was on the halloween special where robert stack was outside the queen mary yeah, so like that guy, like halfway into talk telling his story about the bell, like he got choked up. Like he 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 was it was hard for him to even talk about it because you know it's like your whole life you have this grasp of of everything having rules and physics yeah. and you know like like you know doors don't just shut on their own with like a lot of force you know unless you close mm -hmm. it or a gust of wind comes through there's you you your brain our brains hate chaos and uh, abstraction we love order and for things to mm -hmm. make sense so you know for that old man to you know put the bell in a room that his wife wasn't even in and then he hears the bell yeah. ring it's just it breaks your mind because it's like yeah. how can that how is this possible unless but, there really is this yeah. other life you know, uh, this underworld I think or whatever. What's crazy is that's kind of a generational thing. Cause like a lot of people now, like when the UFO stuff came out, when the footage from the military, the Navy, you know, air force, like all of that started leaking. Like people were still like, Oh, that's fake. Or that's not real. Or man, whatever. You, you know, that like when that happened, remember when that first happened where yeah. the, the, the footage yeah. uh, was released to the public. Like if that happened back then, it would be like a lot of people would be freaking out about it. And there would be all the all yeah. these specials on TV and people would be discussing it. There'd be newspaper articles out the ass. There would be magazines talking about it. Yeah. Mike's bringing up the gimbal footage. Yeah. Um, and there were some other ones that, that, that the actual, um, air force released that shows these unidentified flying objects or uaps were or what they're mm -hmm. calling them because god knows they can't take the colloquialism that we've <laughs> all come to 
be familiar with. No, they have to make their own fancy government one. Um, but they're showing these these unidentified flying objects in the sky, like on radar, defying um, what was thought to be possible uh, as far as physics are concerned. The rate of ascent and descent and mm -hmm. moving to the left, moving to the right was so fast that like it would have killed a, a human being. Mm -hmm. uh, our bodies are not meant to, to, to uh, withstand those amount of G-forces. Um, and it was seemingly uh, intelligent movement. It wasn't like some random, I don't know what, bird or satellite yeah. or something like that. It was some kind of a vehicle. So that this footage was released by the government and it was covered on like Yahoo News and like all these other news outlets. And um, yeah, the, there was just a, a general meh, you know, like when it came out and yeah if that had come out in the fucking 90s especially during like ufo fever during x files being one of like, the highest rated shows and all that shit uh yeah people people would would have been shitting bricks but um i also think it kind of comes down to like it, especially with americans like we're very like show don't tell you know like we're very visual people like if there if there had been like a high definition image of an actual that you could discern is an actual ufo not just this blip on a radar and they had high def footage of the thing flying around well, i mean it wasn't just a blip like it there was more to it but well, whatever you know what i mean if it was yeah if it was an actual fucking you know high def craft like well, here's this, the thing like if it's moving that fast you're not gonna get a good yeah, but what, I'm, what I, I guess my point is that, like, until people like see it themselves with this, yeah, I think I think I think with a lot of people, though, even if like a UFO landed in the middle of Times Square, they would still, oh, that's that's fake, that's a full well, now, stuff. now, yes, well, and you know, you can't really blame the skeptic, <laughs> yeah, the skeptical people these days because of um deep fakes and and uh, mm -hmm. photoshop and just and you the know, ai stuff ai yeah you, you, nowadays like you got to be more skeptical than ever because you can fake just about anything you might get to know. the point where they'll bring robert stack back from the dead and have new episodes <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's all yeah. mystery quite fucking possible they put his face on someone else's body yeah, you know they use a his AI voice. They generate his voice with AI because uh -huh. AI is getting better with the voice. Even yeah, um, like they they did this shit at. Uh, you know what? If they think that's okay, if Stacks uh, estate think that's thinks that's acceptable, like I'd watch it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I would too. <laughs> Uh, did they ever do an episode on the Patterson Bigfoot film? Is that the famous, the legendary? Uh, they briefly, they talked about Bigfoot. And speaking of Bigfoot, that's another thing that, that I thought was pretty fun. Oh, right. The yeah, story yeah. that they talked about on the special where I didn't know this, but they rented the Harry and the Henderson's uh, Bigfoot costume uh, suit that Kevin Peter Hall wore uh, that was uh, designed by Rick Baker, Dude, I who I actually saw in person. And saw the he brought over the head of Harry and even like I think he moved it around a little bit with like the the I, I don't remember what exactly the term is, but it, a lot of a lot of these animatronics have these controls that you like press a button and it's not really it's some sometimes is remote controlled, but it's a little more complicated than that because yeah, a lot of it's very I, I puppet that, that movie uh, related. And. Yeah, 
You're a big fan of that one? Yeah. And and also, fun fact, that movie was the first time I ever heard the word shit. When (laughs) when they when Harry runs in front of the car and um uh what's his name? The actor John Lithgow. John Lithgow walks up to it and the sun walks out and he goes, Holy shit. Um that for I guess because he said it in a little kid voice, and I was a little kid, and it it, and it sounded to me like, uh, well, he was chided by his father in the movie, so I knew that it was something that you shouldn't say, but it had such a unique sound to the word. <laughs> like, I knew holy, obviously, but shit, I was like, that sounds like a cuss word. Like I didn't knew I, I didn't know I I didn't know for a fact that it was but I would just it just sounded like a cuss word to me because it was so short and kind of had a cut to it uh-huh. you know so it was on like the school bus when my mom drove a school bus I was like asking is this a cuss word she's like no is this a cuss word I don't remember what example they had she's like no I was like is holy shit a cuss word she goes oh Joshua <laughs> where did you hear that and I was like I heard it with Harry and the Halbrusons. Uh, and she's like never say that word and i was like oh shit yeah. okay shit mom sorry now i say it all now the time. you say that word a, a lot yeah, yeah i do <laughs> i fucking do um, um anyway but yeah it you know i saw that in the theater uh and uh rick baker was there it was fun to to hear him he really likes that that's actually his favorite film that he's worked on um what did you and, think like you better have lo- loved it I didn't love it, but I did enjoy it. I liked it. I have a review of it on my channel. Oh, do you? Um, there is a, a there was a TV show too. Oh no, spinoff TV show called a... uh, on USA where they kind of tried to do Alf, but with Harry. That's that. No, I mean, I shouldn't say that. Yeah, it was no. a sitcom. It was a Harry and the Henderson sitcom. I won't. <laughs> that say lasted that... for like three seasons or something. Yeah, yeah. I won't say that never works, but it usually doesn't work. especially especially if it's like a movie adaptation i don't know i could be wrong on that but i just i just feel like those are always bad ideas but anyway going back to unsolved mysteries like yeah they rented the harry and the henderson suit and they used it for the bigfoot segment and apparently they because they shot they shot the segment uh in this i think it was like some small town somewhere like what they do a lot of the time and that there was (laughs) <laughs> this bar that was there locally and they were shooting footage where they would have the Bigfoot walk down the street and apparently there were still people in the bar so it it, it became this kind of uh, crazy scenario where people would walk out of the bar and see a Bigfoot and then like just freak out and uh, I think they tried to attack the Bigfoot actor at one point <laughs> Yeah, um, they were talking about how, like, sometimes they would, like, whenever they're profiling, like, people who are wanted, <coughs> sometimes they would cast actors who looked, I guess, so similar to... Oh, yeah, that was great, too. Which I, I, after watching the, the show for as long as I have, I don't remember any particular segment that stands out where they use... Well, I think there actors. are some... There were some for sure, but there's a lot of them where, yeah, well, they don't look it, like them at all. Anyway, apparently every now and then they would cast an actor who looked so much like the actual perpetrator that people would call the cops. So Unsolved Mysteries had to make these cards 
that would say, hey, I'm an actor. I was on Unsolved Mysteries portraying this character. And I'm assuming it has some kind of a phone number that you could yeah. uh, call or whatever to corroborate the. the I'm just imagining role. that being that actor and then someone, you know, being like looking at him and then, you know, calling the police. Don't arrest and the me. Police I'm an actor. I'm an actor. But, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what they all say. The police show up to the to, to the door and this has happened more than once. So then the actor has to pull up the card that, that has unsolved mysteries on it. And it's like I'm an actor for Unsolved Mysteries, yeah. and then they're, and then they're like, "Oh, okay, sorry." It's like that's the fifth time this week. Yeah, that that was uh, it's like, uh, I, I guess I guess the show was a little bit more beefy, or the special was more beefier than I thought because I keep remembering things from the yeah. special where I'm like, "Oh yeah, that was that was pretty interesting." It's uh, thin. Compared to other documentaries on, you know, a popular IP, that's for sure. But, and I do feel there's other things I could have talked about a little bit more, like the experience of working in a call center, for instance. You know, oh, yeah, that, that's a different sort of thing. They didn't really mention the call center that in that much in depth in terms of what it was like, what kind of calls they got, you know, uh, how they you know, handled uh, uh, things. I'm pretty sure they got tons of calls and I'm pretty sure they might have even got prank called. And that would have oh. been kind of fun to hear. Yeah, I don't know if I would have... about I getting prank called. I don't know if I so much would have cared about that aspect of it. So I, that didn't really bother me that they, uh, they didn't go into that. Um, but um, yeah, the Keely Shay Smith stuff and, and like her inclusion... Um, I I feel like I already know the answer to that. I feel like they they wouldn't even have to uh, talk about yeah. that. Like I feel like they yeah. they added her to you know balance out the 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 female the lack of a female element on the show. I guess because th th literally there's no reason why Robert Stack had to throw it to Keely Shea Smith for more. There there was no purpose for that. He could have just done the update himself. Uh -huh. um, that I guess. It, it, ratings were kind of starting to slide a little bit so i don't think it was necessarily just for like more of a female presence i think it was also like oh ratings are sliding a little let's let's try something a little different they're, they're and then the, when it went to a different network then you had virginia madsen who was actually an actress in hollywood she was in Candyman. What was the Brady Bunch episode or um, no, what was it? The um, yeah, Brady, the, Bunch the Brady Bunch episode where they bring in like the cousin because ratings were not doing so well. Oh, yeah. Cousin Oliver. Yeah. yeah cousin Oliver. <laughs> Is that what Keely Shea Smith was? Well, it, I, I think I think I would say that was Virginia Madsen more than Keely Shea Smith. <laughs> I don't even remember what Virginia Madsen looked like. I'm going to have to look her up because I'm not that name is. I mean, the name's ringing a bell, but. Yeah, she was in Candyman. Um, that was really, honestly, her most famous role, really, if you think about it, is probably Candyman. Um, and yeah, she was there with Robert Stack, and she hosted some segments when, uh, I think it was CBS, it moved to CBS. Yeah, I, I'm, looking, I'm looking right now. At, yeah, you could tell Robert Stack was definitely older in this one. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not recognizing her at all. I don't know if I've ever seen a segment with... Have the... you not seen Candyman? Uh, no. Is that a surprise to you, Mike? Uh, I mean, not really. So but I think you might, I think you might like that one. 
It's a, it's it's a atmospheric. I know the concept uh, of it. Film. It's like if you say Candyman or something, then this. It's like an urban. It deals with urban legends and stuff like that, and it's a well written film. So me and Mike have this thing on our pod, the podcast we used to do, where like I I have, and I've actually come to a resolution here because the the old narrative was Josh hasn't seen any movies, like just <laughs> any movie that Mike would bring up, I've I've never seen it. Oh, it's just like in uh. This is such and such movie that literally is a classic that everyone has seen. Nope, uh-huh. I haven't seen it. I've come to realize that I've seen a lot of movies. I've just seen more like avant-garde shit mm. and stuff that's on the fringes. And Mike's more of a, uh, I guess, I wouldn't say mainstream because you definitely cover movies that aren't mainstream. But you're definitely more in line with like the classic, mm-hmm. the stuff that people have deemed as classics, even if it's so bad, it's good or classic horror franchise or or whatever yeah. like yeah that's kind of your, yeah. more your lane my lane is like indie movie slash mm-hmm. like drama kind of genre the drama genre is, mm-hmm. is very big with me so i've seen a lot of movies that mike hasn't seen um but yeah but mike is in the uh majority in the sense of like he's he's seen the movies that most everyone else has also seen and you know, I, I haven't, uh, you know, like I've never seen um, like Rocky Horror Picture Show, for instance, and or, or The Princess Bride. I've seen that or, more than once. Yeah, just a lot of uh, classics I, I haven't seen. Um, I've never seen like The Goonies or. Um, OK, <laughs> uh, a lot of the 80s ones I haven't seen. Uh-huh. I, I did go back later in life and watch a lot of them because I realized like, holy shit, I can't believe I've never seen like. Uh, I don't know, like Beetlejuice, Terminator. No, I haven't seen Beetlejuice. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, oh, fuck, I was, I was gonna say something that was good, and then I, I lost my train of thought um, about having to do with movies. Oh yeah, you remember when um, Doug Walker uh, on the cha- on Channel Awesome? He had that series called uh, Tamra has never seen. And then, yes, was- that fu- I, that I I honestly unsubscribed from that channel for a long time. Actually, I'm still unsubscribed, and I stopped following that channel because of those videos. Like those videos were just awful. First of all, and I hated it. There's no way that you have never seen fucking Titanic. The movies that she had supposed Ghostbusters. Yeah, the movies she <laughs> supposedly never seen. I'm like, give me a fucking break. You're how are you going to be an actress on this? What that was is taking advantage of the algorithm at the time because there was a lot of videos and there still are where you have these reaction uh, videos. They're not even really reviews. They used a shit ton of footage and they get away with it. I I can't use anything uh, because otherwise it'll just get copyrighted immediately and I lose monetization. But these people, they, you know, they do these reaction videos with um, pretty much the entire movie in it. And then they have like in the in the tag in the title like oh watching uh, uh, American Werewolf in London for the first time you know that kind of thing yeah or watching RoboCop for the first time ever and then they get like hundreds of thousands of views like the first I'm like few- who are what who is watching these videos of people just sitting there watching a movie like I don't I don't get it. Yeah, I don't understand the popularity of these videos. I've, I've, never, I saw, I think I saw like two of those Fine Brothers videos back in the day, like kids react to or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen maybe two in my whole life, 
just to get a concept of like, okay, what is this? Oh, all right. They're like, wow, look at this arcane piece of technology. I can't believe people used to use these or whatever. And, and, and that was it for me with React. I could give two fucks less about what, I don't care. It's got to be some big celebrity that I really like. Uh, uh, what if Tom DeLong decided to do a reaction video channel? So uh, Justin <laughs> Hawkins, uh, the lead singer from The Darkness, who did that song, uh -huh. I believe in a thing called love, just yeah. in the rhythm of my heart. So he has a YouTube channel now, and um, uh -huh. it's gotten kind of popular. Um, I guess his band, The Darkness, really isn't doing shit anymore. But um, he does he does a lot of reaction videos, and man, he clickbaits the fuck out of his his thumbnails mm -hmm. and his videos because he always starts out. He always titles the video something like "I can't believe they put this song on the radio," and he's just like this in the mm -hmm. thumbnail, and then he'll be like. I can't believe they put a, this song on the radio because the radio doesn't deserve a song this good. And yeah, like he always has some positive spin on it and he clickbaits the hell out of people. And I think that's so cheesy. So I, I watched like two of his videos and I'm like, I'm not, I, I can't watch this. Like I know Jack it, Black, speaking of celebrities, he was, uh, he's on YouTube. I think now. Yeah. Jablinski gaming or whatever the fuck uh -huh. it's called. Like the thing is, is like Justin Hawkins probably still considers himself in the industry. So he can't be saying anything uh, that, that's going to burn any kind of bridge. It's like um, I heard somewhere uh, it was like uh, Patrice O'Neill was was talking about like Dane Cook on Opie mm -hmm. and Anthony one time. And um, they, they Patrice said something that I thought was interesting. He's like, uh, Dane Cook ain't going to tell you what really happened. He's still uh, doing stand-up. Dane Cook's going to wait to the end of his career. That's when you're going to get the book that tells what really happened. And and I think that's the case with a lot of these people is they, they're like, I'm still, I still have somewhat of a career in this business. Like, I'm not going to say anything disparaging. But uh, that's the great thing about unknown youtubers like you and me we're not in any kind of fucking business <laughs> so we can say whatever the fuck we want and uh i mean i could i could potentially be burning bridges in the music industry uh that i'm not in yet um but i'm not in it so i don't really care because they're not beating down my doors so i'm gonna say what i want to say and um you know mm -hmm. get views bitch um so anyway <laughs> pineapple moon um i actually I, I would like to know this myself. Mike, are you a fan of Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel? So I would say not as a massive of a fan of them as you are, but I do like their music. I do think they're good, accomplished uh, musicians. Can you they're name not... a Peter Gabriel song besides Sledgehammer? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. You I, I know. I know. I know. It, it's uh, It just put me on the spot, so I'd have to... I'd have to look something up. Um, okay. But yeah, it's one of those things that... Let's, let's, let's shift over to Phil Collins, more mainstream guy. You're a mainstream guy. Can you name a Phil Collins song? Oh, this would be too easy. Besides... Okay, besides In the Air Tonight or Against All Odds? Um, uh, Invisible Touch. That's Genesis. Eh. Well, I mean... Still, I mean, still technically nope. Phil Collins. Nope. Tony Banks wrote that song. Phil Collins just All right. It. <laughs> I'm a stickler over here, man. <laughs> um, God damn. 
Um, I know he did music for Tarzan, but I don't remember any of those songs. See, that's what all, all the kids of your age and Gen Z, they all go to fucking Tarzan, and that pisses me off. <laughs> he did so much good. He, he had so much hot fire in the 80s, and yet fucking You'll Be In My Heart is the only thing people want to remember. <laughs> Man, you had bangers such as I Don't Care Anymore, Do You Know? Yes, you, I like care? that song. I just fucking, couldn't remember it off the top of my head. Day in Paradise. Uh, what uh what's that duet that he did with sting um a long long way to go take me home mm -hmm. to studio yeah dude he, the he studio was, was the other one i was thinking of but i just he was spit he was spitting that hot fire in the 80s and then in the 90s mm -hmm. i don't know what the fuck happened but he fell hard like <laughs> he used up all of his phil collins was a man built for the 1980s all the sounds that he tended to yeah. like like those synthesized those soft synthesizer pads and the drum machines Man, the 80s was like meant for Phil Collins. And then when the 90s hit and like grunge came in and hip hop and shit, Phil Collins was fucked. He had, Phil Collins he had, had a song for that was used in the end credits of Firebirds, but I don't necessarily remember the name of it, but it was a song from like, I think one of his 90s albums. Yeah, but I, I don't blame it with the Peter Gabriel. I'm surprised with Peter Gabriel, you didn't go to uh, In Your Eyes, which is the song that was playing when... Um, What's his I nuts? mean, if I remember the name of the song, kills up the radio. Yeah, say anything. Say anything. That's a yeah. film I haven't seen all the way through. I've only seen that clip, like on or just some little bits and pieces. On, like, I, I also days. thought maybe you might go towards maybe Shock the Monkey. That was a pretty. Big I didn't. I like that song too. I just. It, it's just I'm. You're the music guy. <laughs> the I guy. have all. I have all this movie knowledge in my head at all times. I don't have as much music stuff in there rattling around. So I so we just educated Nor Norberto. <laughs> Man, how the fuck do you say your name? Norberto uh, on what click? LA? Yeah, that, that part's not so hard. Valle, Valle if it's Spanish. Uh, mm -hmm. Anyway, whatever. I'm not going to embarrass <laughs> myself anymore. Um, yeah, clickbait is, is when you basically fool people into clicking your video based on the thumbnail or the title of of the thing um i use it very there are all well. these old videos like from back in the day like these prank channels or some of these other channels they yeah. did that so much with like some hot chick who's like barely clothed at all and they have like some extreme uh clickbait title usually something will be circled in the video yeah. on, on the thumbnail like there'll be some distant, weird looking thing that's circled and there'll be like a question mark, like, wait, do you see what this is? And it's it's true clickbait when you click on it and the thing that's on the thumbnail isn't even in the video. No, that, that's the no. truest of all. Clickbait. That happens a lot. Yeah, um, that, that that's that why the Justin Hawkins videos pissed me off so bad, because he literally <laughs> te teased that golf ball up like he's about to really just like go in on on whoever. And then he doesn't fucking. That, that he doesn't say shit, you know, that's that, that, that really pisses me off. Hold on. San Jacinto is amazing. Peter Gabriel song. I a hundred percent agree. San Jacinto is an incredible Peter Gabriel song. The build on that song is orgasmic. And then when he finally comes in with, I hold the line, the line of strength that pulls me through the fear. San Jacinto. Anyway. Yeah. That's, that's an amazing, that's one of my favorite, like Rhythm of the Heat, uh, The Family in the Fishing Net, Intruder, San Jacinto. Those are some of my favorite Peter Gabriel songs. Um, 
Yeah, YouTube Shorts. Oh wait, my, why don't I show this comment? Yeah, YouTube Shorts are the worst. You know, I don't think that YouTube Shorts have turned out to be the golden goose that YouTube was hoping they would be. No, they're they're trying to copy the Facebook and Instagram model or TikTok and or TikTok, and it's just not working as well. Um, I see why people are are definitely drawn to some of those things, though, like on Facebook in particular, like it's a fun way to get a, a, a small little dose of somebody's stand up. Like it gets really addictive to just go click through all these different like little stand up. Yeah, I don't clips. want to get that addiction. That's why I don't click yeah. on those. I don't want yeah. to get addicted to doing that. Cause I've well, seen... I'm not addicted. Like I can't, it's like, Oh my God, I, I can't go a single day without it, but it's kind of fun sometimes. It's just kind of get a little taste. Of... Almost... They get repetitive though, because they follow an algorithm so there's a lot of times where you'll just be watching like the same. I, I already saw this like a million times already. What can you recommend me a different stand-up clip from a different stand-up comedian? I would almost like to pay somebody to like go back through all my old videos and like turn them into shorts and have like and have like all this bankable content because you could take you could take several of my videos and chop one video up into multiple shorts but i don't have the time to do that shit i mean maybe if i sat down one day and did it i could do like a whole tiktok channel just having my shorts that lead to like the actual full video i just got done watching this matt rife document like little mini youtuber documentary God, that guy i don't i don't I... well i don't he... like stand-up comedians where the majority of their set is just crowd work yeah, he's got this like smooth guy energy where he's all like, you know, um, I, I'm a ladies man and I know it. And dude, stand up comedy is meant is born out of pain. It's not born out of confidence. All the best stand up comedians are people where their jokes are based from a place of pain or, or embarrassment or, you know, it's it's taking the human condition and turning it upside down to where we can laugh at it. And that's why it's stand-up comedy can be so healing to the soul. When you go up there and your jokes are based off of like cockiness and like, I'm the shit. And I've got these little quips that I'm throwing at people. It's, I'm just not interested in that. And the fact that you are so attractive really makes me doubt that you've had any experiences in your life that um, where, where like so... Because some of my favorite comedy is like social, you know, faux pas or, you know, mm -hmm. like 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 having a, a rough time interacting in society. And, um, you know, a lot of the stand ups like you look at Louis C.K. and it's like this fat, bald ginger, you know, old guy. He's going to have some funny shit to say, you know, like just yeah. based on his appearance. I mean, already... even B Bill Burr in his prime, you know, yeah, that kind like... of stuff. Like, um, these guys, have, Richard yeah. Pryor, when he started out, like his set that he did after you know he lit himself on fire, was hilarious. Like he was just willing to, like he lights a match on stage. It's like there's Richard Pryor running down the street. <laughs> well, uh, now everyone's saying that Matt Rife is like the Dane Cook of um of of our generation or whatever, or not our generation, Gen Z's generation, I guess. Because Dane Cook was our generation of, uh, but the reason why Dane Cook, Dane Cook did not get all of his fans because of his looks. I mean, the guy was like, I mean, I guess he was kind of all right looking. Um, I, I'm not really, I don't really look at guys through that filter. He gets a lot of, 
it gets a lot of hate for like copying sets and things like that, which I think is kind of. I don't of a... believe I don't believe Dane Cook ever copied a joke. I don't think he ever stole yeah. a joke. Uh, I mean, like the itchy asshole bit. I mean, dude, like everybody's had that experience at yeah. one time or another in their life. That is not unique. I think to... Dane, his first two sets, like they were actually pretty damn funny, and I think it, I think he became popular because. I think he was also a younger stand-up well, comedian, so I think he, that connected with a certain audience. It's not even that and, he was. It's not even that he was younger. He was around the same age as Bill Burr because uh, all those guys came up together. Mm -hmm. What set Dane Cook apart, and why I liked Dane Cook when I was a teenager, was because he talked the way that we, me and my friends. Yeah, talked. there you go. And all the yeah. other stand-ups were they they were adults, or we perceived mm -hmm. them as adults, and they talked about adult shit. But Dane Cook had this very young youthful uh attitude about him and so he the personality his yeah, personality was like he, he joked in the same exact cadence and in words that me and my friends joked around in and it's like wow this guy gets it like he gets how mm -hmm. young people like joke around and that's why i i like dane cook so much but the problem with that forming that kind of niche is that as you get older you become more sophisticated in your in your tastes and Dane cook, you know, if he doesn't, if he, if you don't evolve correctly, which I don't think Dane did, um, then people just grow tired of your style. And it's like, eh, okay, you're still yelling yeah. and making animal noises and, you know, fart jokes, whatever. It, I think, I think an interesting uh, parallel with Dane cook is Ryan Reynolds. Because they kind of uh, were actors around the same time. I don't think Ryan ever really tried stand-up. I don't know whether or not that's true or not. They had similar sort of vibes to them. And Ryan, if you think about it, like I don't think he's changed that much when it comes to his persona or his personality or even really his range as an actor. But he just found a certain niche that really worked and, and clicked with a lot of people. Um, yeah, I definitely I think Dead Deadpool like totally resurrected his career. Like without Deadpool, I don't think he would even be getting what, nearly as many had, roles. What as had he, he even now. done before Deadpool? That's all I know. He, he was in he was in Waiting, uh, Van Wilder. Oh right, yeah, Van Wilder. Which I did not know this, but apparently Van Wilder was based off the life of Burt Kreischer mm -hmm. when. He, when he was going through his party party guy stage in Florida. And he did a movie this year called The Machine. The mach based dude, on his whole I'm so sick of machine. hearing about Burt Kreischer. And like, the machine. Dude, like uh this this uh YouTuber called Porcelain did a whole documentary uh -huh. called Try Hard, uh Burt Kreischer story, and just beautifully points out how like the guy just lies constantly. Like uh, anything that anybody brings up, like on a podcast, Burt Kreischer will be like, dude, I, I actually knew a guy who did that. Or like, you know, someone mm -hmm. brought up getting struck by lightning. He's like, dude, I know a guy who got struck by lightning three times, which like the probability of that is just next to impossible. It's like um, you just read an article about a guy who got sh struck by lightning yeah, three well, times. You just <laughs> fucking made it up. Burt yeah. Kreischer is so fucking annoying. And, and for whatever reason... <laughs> The YouTube algorithm has decided that he he must be on my feed, you know, like he like <laughs> I must see more of Burt Kreischer all the times. Like like there's like I made a video about this a while ago, but there's like there's like four like comedians that YouTube has decided mm -hmm. 
that everyone needs to see. And it's like Tom Segura, Burt Kreischer, um, Theo Vaughn, and uh, Bobby Lee. And like mm. you might could throw like Brandon Schaub, Joe Rogan, uh, and um, that other Dick Watt in I mean, there. Bill Burr, they'll probably uh, promote because he's doing a movie for Netflix, I think. Well, Bill Burr, uh, he doesn't really go on to a lot of podcasts. And when he does, mm -hmm. <laughs> it can go bad <laughs> very quickly. The H3H3 one. Yeah, that one. He was on Theo Vaughn's podcast and he just like. Yeah. Theo was being really awkward, first of all. And, and Bill's kind of like, he's kind of like an attack dog. If Theo was the guy with like the mullet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's a good old boy who just, I don't know, man. I'm just a good old boy. I don't know nothing. I mean, I, I, I tried I, watching some of those clips. I'm like, I don't get the appeal. He, but, he gets on know. my fucking nerves, dude. That guy gets on my goddamn nerves. But he was, <laughs> Does he remind you too much of somebody who lives yeah, in, just people right down, around your, your way in, in Florida? Yeah, you know, he, he reminds me of all my dad's friends, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, Bill Burr was on his podcast and... Theo was asking Bill, in all fair, fairness to Bill, Theo was asking Bill Burr some really dumb questions because mm -hmm. Bill Burr's into flying helicopters now. And Theo Vaughn's like, do you keep do you keep a gun in your helicopter? And Bill's like, no, I don't keep a gun in my helicopter. What kind of questions that? He's like, I, I'd keep a gun in my helicopter if I had one. And it's like, can you get this guy off his own show, please? And just have Bill like Bill does best yeah. in podcast form when he's just rambling to himself. I don't know mm -hmm. how he he has the schizophrenic ability to do that, but he literally <laughs> works best when he's just rambling to himself. Like he's not yeah, speaking of podcasts. It's like, I'm just wondering like what some, some of these actors from yesteryear, like how would, how would they do in, in podcasts? Like if you, if Robert Stack, was around in the podcast. Well, they would era. treat it like a talk show. They would go on there yeah. and they would promote their movie. They wouldn't go, they wouldn't speak too much about their personal life. That's how it was for 50 mm -hmm. or 60 years. People would go on talk shows and they would, they would have their talking points that they wanted to speak about. And it was fake as fuck. And it was the only time you got to see the, your favorite celebrity. So you just kind of had to put up with it. Yeah. And that was just what people were used to. Johnny right Carson and you know, Cabot, Leno. Johnny Carson and David Letterman, all of them. Now, you know, as as the talk show form started to die out, like people like Conan and guys like that, um, Eric Andre, they kind of like they 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 opened it up to where it was less phony, but it was still, you know, they're they're promoting a book or whatever especially when it comes to like the celebrity stuff like yeah and then jimmy fallon and comes in and it would jimmy kimmel and then it's more sort of the fake stuff and what was uh, great about podcasts though when they started getting bigger especially when they started doing the video portions of it is now finally you get to see people who don't have an agenda they're just going on the podcast just to go on there like mm -hmm. joe rogan that was why joe rogan's podcast blew up because it Mark was Maron was one of the first as well. Yeah, Mark Maron, although I didn't quite enjoy Mark Maron's interview style. He was very big on getting uh -huh. into their childhoods and what they yeah. do as a kid. And it's like, dude, literally with audiobooks, I will sometimes skip entire portions of their childhood. <laughs> I want to know about just before they got famous, when they got famous, and then the downfall when shit 
started going south and they became not so much famous or they just fell off completely. Like that's the, the arc that I'm interested in. I don't give a fuck about their childhood um, because their childhood could be pretty much anyone else's childhood. It's like, Oh, you, you went and played in the yard and then you fell and broke your arm. Yeah. Time. I kind of, I kind of feel that way. I'm reading a book about in living color. It's called homie. Don't play that. And uh, the, the, the first two or three chapters is a lot about uh, the Wayans uh, brothers and their, them growing up in, in, in uh, different uh, uh, areas of the United States and being poor and all of this other stuff. And I get it. It's trying to, you know, really flesh out them as people. But yeah. It just felt like they went on a little bit too long with it. And I kind of started to lose interest in the book because it was just like, okay, when are we going to get to actually talking right. about the show? Yeah. So imagine and like, so imagine that, that portion. And, and, and all of that is the WTF podcast with Mark Marin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not so. I will say, Mark Marin had some legendary episodes. The Carlos Mencia episodes are iconic. Mm -hmm. There's, it's a two-parter. I highly recommend listening to those two parts. And then the other one was, and that uh, was after he was essentially ostracized completely for years. He had been um, like ostracized from the comedy community. And Marin apparently had always had decent experiences with Carlos. So he wanted to get to the bottom of all the joke thievery because because Mark Maron's always seen Joe Rogan as kind of a bully, like a jock, like, you know, jockish mm -hmm. type bully. So he he wasn't necessarily sympathetic to Joe Rogan when Rogan called Mencia out in front of everybody at the comedy store um, in that video, that iconic video where Rogan literally gets up on stage while Carlos is telling jokes and calls him out in front of everybody. Uh, so Marin had Carlos Mencia on his podcast. And for the first episode, you know, Marin was kind of throwing him some softballs and Carlos was kind of, you know, like dazzling him and being very um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, gregarious and all that. So but after the episode, Marin's talking about, you know, there was just something about how Carlos was acting. I felt a little too massaged by how he was acting it didn't sit right with me so then i decided to actually hit up the latino comics and see what they had to say go into their their community and and and, and get their take and he had like three latino comics on for part two and they all man they all went into it they talked about bro i was on tour with carlos and mm -hmm. you know i did a bit and, you know, it did OK. But then Carlos said, here, this is how this this is how it's done. And he did my same exact bit. But, you know, since he's Carlos Mencia, he was able to get more laughs and yada, yada, yada. And uh, it was a whole thing. And um, I mean, there was a whole instance where George Lopez, like, confronted Mencia in a restaurant. And he's like, you know, hey, don't do my fucking bit, you know, like. And they almost got into it. So then he has Carlos back on the show and now he's the energy's different and he's like grilling mm -hmm. him and he's like, yo, like what the fuck? And it mm -hmm. was, it, it's a, I highly recommend the, the, uh, the two parter. The other one legendary Marin one was, um, Dane cook. Uh, Mark Marin always hated Dane cook for the <laughs> same reasons that all the other hipster comedians hated Dane. They didn't feel like he deserved his success. They thought he was hacky. And so he had, um, Dane cook on there. And Dane Cook shares this, what's become now a legendary story of um, Steve Byrne, this other comedian who was coming up. And, and Dane Cook was talking about how he felt like Steve Byrne was stealing his essence as a comedian. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the 
term he used. He's like, Steve, I just feel like you're 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 being me. You're not being you. Like you're using my like you're stealing my essence. And that kind of became like a, a meme because it's like, really, dude, you're gonna say someone stole your essence? It was pretty cringe. So everyone was <laughs> clowning on Dane for that. So then Mark. Uh, oh yeah, it sounds like Mark and Dane almost get into a fight at one point because um, uh, M- Mark's like, uh, I just feel like at certain times you're probably a huge asshole to work with or something like that. And Dane's like, Do you have a glass of water? No, I'm gonna need a glass of water because uh, you know if we're gonna get into this, you know, he's, he's doing the <laughs> Dane thing. So then uh, the second part, Mark gets Steve Byrne on the podcast and gets his side of the story. And Steve's story is is wildly different than Dane's version. He's like, he invited me to his house and he's like, you know, you're stealing my essence. And I'm like, dude, what, I, I, how am I stealing your essence? He's, he's like, you know, he's like, you're dressing like me. You're talking like me. He's like, dressing like you. I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt, dude. Like, how is that dressing <laughs> like you? <laughs> and then like, this end, isn't some single white female shit, dude. <laughs> at the end of the conversation, he, according to Steve, uh, Dane like closes his eyes and starts rubbing his fingers together. And he's like, he's like, uh, when I'm in LA, I feel like I'm absorbing their, all of LA's energy and I'm giving it back to the people. Maybe this isn't your time to be in LA right now, Steve. And it was just <laughs> like, wow, you have completely lost the plot. Dane. So though I would Damn. say those are some of the best Mark Marin episodes to listen to the, 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 the T the um, octane and the T is, is pretty high in those episodes. Yeah. Um, As you can see, folks, we don't, we ran out of really things to talk about when it comes to the unsolved mystery special. <laughs> We're just talking about other random stuff. Yeah. But um, see, this is what I want the new podcast to be. I, I like yeah. pop, pop culture shit. Like, uh-huh. not, like, I don't want it to be where we're, where we have to watch this long thing um, <laughs> and, and talk about it. Like, I don't want to have to watch a movie and then make notes and then talk about it. Uh-huh. Cause essentially that's the same. It's the same shit that we did with the unsolved mysteries, but we're just doing like, well, I mean, you could stuff. still, you could still watch something, but then you could just have a, a, a opening to just kind of take the conversation to wherever. I want to, I want to do like something like a to. podcast, like, the 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 problem with <laughs> podcasts in 2023 and then we can just go from there or like um i don't know what fucking i do like the spike tv idea though i think that's no i think that is a good idea i do like that idea um it, it, just talk about but i would like to just have a list or talk about the network that used to exist <laughs> yeah the problematic <laughs> nature of said yeah uh, channel yeah. and then talk about some of the awful shows that were yeah on exactly on the, on that network, which is where the whore, the the whore, the whole uh, awful. <laughs> well, there probably went. were some whores on there, that's for sure. Yeah, to appeal to men. Uh, I think Family Guy had it best, where it was like they were mocking it, and like Peter and Brian are watching the TV, and it's only sh- showing it from like uh, the TV's perspective. So you only mm-hmm. see Peter and Brian; you don't see what's on TV. It's like yeah. Spike Television for men. It's like uh, cracking open a beer, a fart, a girl going ah. And like uh, that, that really it like that's Mansers like that 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 yeah. show Mansers is literally that with this obnoxious narrator like uh, can a fart kill you you know that kind of uh-huh. just... yeah 
Wasn't that show like a hundred ways to die on there? Oh, a thousand ways to die. Yeah, I still like that show though. It's morbid as hell, and it was so overly sensationalized. Like a lot of the the supposed real deaths, like a lot of it was just fabricated um, for entertainment. Some of that did happen, but not necessarily the way that it that it is shown in in a, in an episode. Um, I'm just like kicking myself right now that we never did the podcast in this format. Like, <laughs> hey, what, are gonna, what, are, what are you going to do? Like, it, we, you can't go back in time. We got into it so early that <laughs> people weren't putting podcasts on YouTube like they are. No, now. no. Like it was, uh, no. dude, literally back in, believe it or not, back in 2016, I would say like 90% of podcasts were audio only. Mm -hmm. was, there was that was why it was a podcast because it it you had an iPod and that it originated off, off of iPods I believe um and it was like this exclusive thing where it was like a radio show but it was yeah. like anyone could do And now one. and now like the iPod itself is you know people don't use standalone MP3 players they no. use their phone now yeah i mean even the thought they stream of... music even though the music quality isn't necessarily better like you could get better quality of music if you actually buy the album and and you know play it in flack for instance but you know i, I you know. just got my record player set up and it's such a it's such a head trip with me because First of all, I'm playing the record player through damn good speakers, so that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, and it is the record, so there's the whole, well, it's the uncompressed, you know, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but, you know, I got to say, I think it's just the, the listening experience and not necessarily the, the format. Because yeah. if I hook up my phone to those very same good ass set of studio monitors, anything I play off of Spotify is going to sound fucking good too. Yeah, it, it, the difference is going to be so nominal to where it's going to be like, okay, well, am I really going to cart around this goddamn turntable? And well, I mean, it's just like if you have like if you have a good setup like that, but it's if you don't, then you know you you kind of get lesser quality. Like, for instance, like I've cycled through so many dang headsets and I just bought these headphones. These are XM4s uh, from Sony. Yeah, and the difference has been astronomical. And I, I've just been like, wow, OK, this is worth the money. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, I, I will use these. Um, also, as somebody who wears glasses like this is some of the most comfortable over the ear headphones I've ever owned. And I've been spending so much time and money trying to find ones that aren't so uncomfortable for these are comfortable these uh i see a lot of people use these actually they're uh yeah audio technical i've heard about those too yeah um yeah they, these are comfortable they they're supposedly um uh, unbalanced so there's no uh like they, they don't they don't the factory tune them to have more bass or more treble mm -hmm. they're they're flat mm -hmm. response headphones which is what you want yeah. when you're mixing and engineering you want you don't want any yeah. color added to the mix at all um hey you want to know something awesome that i did yesterday and i don't know why or how the fuck it happened i washed <laughs> i accidentally washed my uh airpod pros oh yeah they're like 200 bucks 
Yeah, I did that with my uh, Sony Walkman MP3 player. I washed it and it got toast. It, it became just completely total toast. And then I had to buy another one. And I wish I still had my other one because the one that I got to replace it, the battery sucks. What's crazy is, is like they still kind of work, but they don't sound quite right. And the right one yeah. is, is kind of like only yeah. like 40% capacity. Yeah. You're going to have to buy another pair. 200 <laughs> i know I, i'm i already have so much debt yeah i really can't i can't be spending 200 on fucking but i i use those headphones at my karaoke gigs because it's got noise canceling yeah these have noise canceling too yeah like that shit's i mean not only my gigs but like when i'm mowing the lawn when i'm vacuuming um all that shit comes that noise canceling is the bomb we got uh, DJ Donnelly. I think that's one of your people. Hey, DJ. I'm doing well, DJ. I think uh, we're coming oh, to the right. end. I think we're coming to yep. the end here. Um, got any final thoughts on that Unsolved Mystery special, Josh? Yeah, it was pretty good. I would recommend people watch it. Um, I, I think I think there was a lot more of uh, anticipation for a lot of the diehard mm -hmm. fans. I don't... I haven't really heard anyone else really talk about it that much. Um, it, I've seen yeah. I've seen a lot of mixed feelings from a lot of fans of the show. Like, there's a lot of people who are like, "Well, this was disappointing because it wasn't as in depth as I was expecting, or it was too thin, or there wasn't enough of the discussion about other things." And I get that because I I think we as fans of the show like we would watch a multi-part documentary series about the unsolved mystery. Yeah, they could have. Uh, uh, but I think that's not really what their intent was. They were doing it. I think it was an anniversary. It was like an anniversary. It was special. It was like, hey, thank you to the fans. Here's a little uh, behind the scenes stuff. Here's some behind the scenes photos. Here's some fun outtakes with Robert Stack. Here are some fun stories uh, uh, from uh, the set of Unsolved Mysteries. And with, with here, all, with all here that, are some of the cases that you remember. Yeah, with enjoy. all that being said, though, uh, I don't I think this is the last piece of content we are ever going to get from oh, yeah. the executive producers of yes. Unsolved I don't think John and Terry are, are going to be um, making anything else after this. No. I, I don't think either. this was the final curtain call. First of all, John yeah. Cosgrove looks very elderly at this point. Um, so he, he might not be around too much longer. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think I think this was the final farewell. It was a send-off. It was a love letter. I think that's really what the intent was, is it was kind of a love letter to the show and to the fans. But it just wasn't necessarily what some people might have expected. It wasn't like some in-depth detailed documentary right um eddie you did not miss, miss the live chat because you all you got to do is rewind it and bam you're back at square yeah. one <laughs> and i'm acknowledging you right now so technically you got all the benefits of of yes. watching the live chat um yes. but yeah uh i it, i mean do we even know if if they're being renewed on netflix for like another chapter I or whatever i, th I haven't I don't heard think they are I haven't heard I, i'm not 100 sure though um, I know. Didn't they just come out with a new one? Their ratings couldn't have been great. When you have no. all these, I think they probably got a lot of first. I think their first episode probably got the most ratings. 
because a lot of people it has great you know, the cover art was great the title yeah and it's great. true crime it's true crime people are surfing through netflix looking for something to watch a show called unsolved mysteries pops up that's instant and netflix like marketed it well they put it on their home page yeah so i know for a fact the first episode and honestly, the first episode of the first chapter is probably the best episode on the whole series. The guy who just jumps off a building for no reason. Mm -hmm. um, and I think after that, the ratings just took a nosedive because they saw that ah, this for a true crime show, this is kind of boring. Like I've seen way better true crime shows out than than this. Um, and I mean, I hate to keep bringing it up, but. Dateline NBC, like with Keith Morris as the narrator or or Josh. Yeah, it seems or... like the last thing that happened was the, the nine episode run in October, November of last year. Yeah, and there hasn't been any announcements or they, anything. They didn't pick about... up the, rating, the ratings were so bad. They probably didn't pick it up for that reason. I mean, the amount of streams probably because yeah. Netflix ratings are different. Man, I wish there was some way to hack in into the mainframe and see see what the views uh, all these videos get on there. What all all the views uh, certain shows? Yeah, I think there is. I think there is some something that tracks that. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I've seen. It's not available to the public though. No, but I've seen I've seen websites track it for certain shows and certain films. Like they did that for like uh, stuff that streamed on HBO Max. So they did like a they did some research to see like how many people watched this certain film, um. Because I'm sure but, uh, so, I'm sure some of those documentaries get in the probably like close to, uh, maybe not a billion, but I would know. say one of the most successful documentary series, sadly, probably for Netflix, was Tiger King. No, during for, the pandemic. by far that became a national like treasure there for a little bit, and it was like right during the pandemic where people had to stay in. And mm -hmm. uh, that's that silly little documentary just annoys me. I, I did not watch the second part. I didn't watch the second either. And I liked the first uh, documentary more than you did. Yeah. And I, I don't think the second one did nearly as well. Yeah, I just thought it was stupid. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think that's about it. Uh, coming in at, at two hours here. Glad I don't have to worry about editing this in well no i do because i'm pulling the audio from it but i don't have to edit it because i didn't say anything <laughs> that was editable um, no no but it's definitely so, the flow of this is very different than a regular podcast because just kind of going off the cuff kind of not I necessarily like sticking a, yeah i mean towards the middle we did we went off the rails but that's yeah. what we were doing that's what we were doing towards the end of the podcast we were going off the rails and yak and the only difference is i i took it out of the i took it out of the show um yeah this time i'm not yeah. because it's, it's <laughs> fuck you because fuck you that's why um but yeah so eddie's uh last question here is are you renaming the podcast well we just continued the podcast. yeah we just continued the podcast aside from this we came out of retirement for this because we had we couldn't not talk about the 30th anniversary. Uh, oh, definitely, we had to talk about the have to talk about it. Um, but yeah, probably starting in the new year, we'll do some kind of a pop culture based thing. And I, I wanted to, I want to be online on YouTube. Um, I'll think about the SoundCloud bit because I'm still having to pay fifteen dollars a month for a podcast we're not even doing anymore. And I don't know if I stop paying, if they'll keep my, if they'll keep the episodes up 
or it probably I, won't. Yeah, because that's the only reason I'd keep paying is because like I don't uh, want your lose. microphone is. Oh, is it cutting out? I don't hear anything, but that might be on my end. Hold on. Okay. Can you hear me now? Huh? Oh, this has got to be entertaining to the audience. Yeah, it, it ran out. my bat. The it's out. Oh, it <laughs> I don't have any power. Oh, okay. No power. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, in that case, uh, okay. Oh, Max owns power. So we'll end the podcast now. <laughs> oh, okay. I see private chat. <laughs> All right. I'm surprised. I'm surprised we still have six people watching this after that whole technological failure. Um, this is the end of the, the live stream. Um, Thank you, Mike, for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, uh, for joining in. Um, my headphones are dead, so this is super awkward. But uh, thanks to Josh for having me. And uh, thanks for uh, hanging out with us. And uh, uh, we'll keep you updated on uh, the uh, new podcast in the future. Uh, see ya. Yeah. All right. Well, that's Mike for you. And I am kicking him out of the studio. <laughs> but all right, guys, thank you for watching. And uh, until next time, have a good rest of your night, because that's how I end my YouTube channel. And this is on my YouTube channel. It's not how I end the podcast. But anyway.